the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from... Get down to business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information. You won't want to miss a live show. You can call into the studio, 312-642-5600. We're always very, very appreciative and grateful of our wonderful sponsors at Tandem HR. They are our solution center. Check out their website, TandemHR.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510, for all of your questions about the Affordable Care Act and compliance with the many, many, many um, regulations relating to your small business. So, uh, indeed, uh, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship, and that's why uh, my first guest, uh, Gary Bernson, is uh, such a fantastic addition to the program. Uh, brand new book called Lose the Resume, Land the Job really uh, really is, is very, very timely because statistics show that, show that by uh, about this point in February, nearly 80% of all New Year's resolutions have been broken. And with finding a new job being one of those top resolutions that people make every year, it's the one that gets broken too often and too soon. So here to talk about some strategies um, is the author of that book, Gary Bernison. Gary, thank you so much for joining me on Get Down to Business. Hey, great to be with you. Absolutely. So... Uh, let's talk uh, first about your inspiration for the book. Um, why? Uh, I completely agree with the with the title. Um, but but why did you do this? And 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 tell me uh, who inspired you? Well, you know, I was I was at Starbucks a few months ago, and and a guy in front of me ordered a triple red eye. And uh, he goes to sit down, and he's got out cue cards, and he's got out a portfolio. His foot's tapping up and down, and he's perspiring. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, the guy's got an interview. So I I go up to him, and I say, "Uh, so you got an interview? And he said, yeah, you know, I really need this job. Uh, You know, my wife just got uh, relocated here, and I've just, I've got to have it. And I said, listen, buddy, you've got to relax. I mean, right now, you couldn't make it past security. Uh, you know, you're not auditioning for a Broadway show. Uh, you're not going to, you know, memorize a script here. You need to be authentic. And so I've seen it, you know, from Fortune 100 board members to people getting out of college that they, you know, they hate their boss, they feel stuck, and they don't know what to do about it. 
Absolutely. Um, and your comment of lose the resume, it's funny. It's, it's something that I say time and time and time again in every, with everybody that I, uh, that I give advice to at Starbucks. I'm surprised we haven't crossed paths over there. But the truth is it's the same thing that lands somebody a job, that lands a business owner some business. And that's the ability to articulate yourself clearly, demonstrate passion, purpose, and values, and that's exactly what you say in the book. So um, give us a sneak peek of the book, and of course, we'll make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you. Lose the resume and land the job. Tell us a little bit about some of the tactics that, uh, that you recommend. Well, basically, you know, people do more research buying a washing machine than they do thinking about their career and their next job. And, and what happens is you automatically, the, you know, you, you just can't wait for jury duty, right? You're so bored in your job, you can't wait for jury duty. The commute cannot be long enough. And what you do is you automatically go to the resume. And people think it's 90% of the deal, but in fact, it's only 10%. So you get in front of your computer, get out a piece of paper, three hours go by, you're like, is it a verb? Is it an adjective? Am I Hemingway? You're frustrated, you give up. And you know, that post-it note that said, I'm going to get a new job comes off the refrigerator door. And you know, that that's the single biggest mistake um, that I see people doing is they just blindly send out resumes. And, I, and look, you have to have a resume. But literally, it's 10% of the job. It's 10% of what you need to do. Right. And a resume, uh, there's so many great tools that are out there. A resume will be a resume. Somebody will help you. And, and I'm pretty confident that our listeners uh, know how to, how to find somebody that can help them with their resume. There won't be typos. It will be formatted properly. But now lose the resume. What's next? How do you make a great impression? Not only in the interviews with potential employers, but even with your networking partners, the folks that will help you get to your dream job. But Gary, it's one thing to plan and it's another thing to to actually get the job. Often job searches take a little bit longer than expected. So how what advice do you have uh, to somebody to stay motivated during a prolonged job search? Well, they do. You you know, you you really have to have the long game in mind. Uh, it's like networking. You know, it's the same thing. You can't do just in time networking. But you, you know, you said it earlier. It starts with purpose. And many people go to the resume first, and I say, hey, no, first, you know, be reflective. Think about your strengths, your weaknesses, blind spots. Think about what makes you happy, because if you're happy, you're probably motivated, and if you're motivated, you're going to outperform. So start with that, uh, then think about industries and sectors and cities um, where you want to live, where you think you can apply your skills to those industries. Identify the companies that you'd like to work for, regardless of whether there's an opening or not. And, and do the networking, do the six degrees of separation thing. And what you want to do is do a great resume, which we've got advice in the book, but, but you want to accompany that with a warm introduction. You don't want to just send it out cold. If you're sending it out cold, just will go to 7-Eleven and scratch off a lottery ticket. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, you, you, you want that warm introduction into the company. So, Gary, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're almost saying that resume is an essential that you have in the job search, but really uh, folks should be taking the time to essentially write their own job description, basically outline what the dream job looks like, even going so far as to indicate where that dream job is, going, you know, talking about what type of organization and even the names of the organizations, and then you start networking. And that's really where the action is and where you have to tell your story. Is that correct? That's exactly right. You know, when we were kids, when we got our first job, what did we do? We probably went down to the grocery store 
or to the ice cream shop, and we, we filled out an application. And you see kids still doing it today. And, and why did that happen? Well, a friend probably said, hey, this is a cool place to work. Uh, it's great people, good culture. And why is it, you know, 10, 30, 40, 50 years later, we forget that? And we automatically just go to the resume. Um, and so, you know, part of this is, you know, thinking about your career. Uh, millennials, for example, are probably going to work for 30 different companies in the, in the course of their career. So be purposeful about it. Uh, and network, network, network. Networking is a contact sport. And you know this better than anybody else. But, you know, for me, networking, you know, you always think of this charismatic person, this super salesman selling knives at a, at a state fair, when in fact, networking is really all about the other person. And if you have that attitude and you think of it as, you know, a long game, uh, it'll pay off in spades for you. It sure, uh, it sure does. And uh, Gary, you are the CEO of Corn Ferry, a uh, global organizational consulting firm. And uh, I believe the stat is out there that Corn Ferry, you are, uh, you've worked with over 8 million executives and you're putting a professional in a new job every three minutes. So you certainly know what you're talking about. And uh, this book of Lose the, Lose the Resume, Land the Job is not your first, uh, is not your first writing on the, on the topic. Tell us uh, a little bit about uh, where else our listeners can read about your approach and your strategy. Well, losetheresume.com, um, Corn Ferry Advance, the, the, the books are on Amazon. And I've written a series of books really around leadership. This was the first one that I think is quite practical for anybody because I just see people struggling. You know, they're not happy, they hate their boss, and they just, they just go to the resume. And it's, you know, I've received, you know, thousands of resumes, and guess what? I hate to say it, but they don't get opened. I mean, that, that's, you know, it just does not work that way. And so, you know, you, you've, you've got to have this long game. And the other thing you've got to think about that people completely ignore is culture. You know, they, they don't think about who their boss is going to be. They don't think about culture. And, in fact, what we found at Corn Ferry is, is that when it comes to learning, which we have found is the number one predictor of executive success, um, how do you learn? Well, it, we believe it's 70-20-10. In other words, 10% is from a textbook, but 90% is from your boss, who you're working with, and what your assignments are going to be. And, and people, and I, look, I, I get it. You, you focus on the money. You focus on the title. I've been there. I was the first one in my family to go to college. I, I, I know that practical reality. But you've got to think about whether you're going to be growing and whether you're going to be learning and whether, in fact, it's going to turn you on and you're going to be motivated to wake up without the alarm clock. Absolutely. Well, Gary, appreciate the advice, and I'd love to have you back on. Uh, you certainly have a lot of tips. Um, but one more time, if you don't mind sharing that website for our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about the book. LoseTheResume.com. LoseTheResume.com. Gary Bernison, uh, again, uh, CEO of Corn Ferry. We appreciate you joining us uh, on Get Down to Business and looking forward to continuing the conversation soon. Coming up on Get Down to Business, we are going to be chatting. We're, we're going to be chatting with uh, the Humane Society of Illinois. Lots of great discussions about nonprofit, small business, jobs coming up through the rest of the program. Chicago, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And disclaimer on that subject is that while we talk about business, we love to profile businesses that are interesting, that are unique. We love to talk about, uh, talk with people that are making a difference. Um, today, uh, I actually just hours ago uh, hustled up the Hancock. I uh, ran up uh, 94 flights of stairs. And uh, call me crazy, but it was uh, an incredible, inspirational experience. Um, not my experience, but really watching the other people around me and hearing them talk. You have a lot of time to listen to people's stories and uh, met some interesting, fascinating people, all people uh, that that raised thousands of dollars uh, for a great organization. And those are exactly the people that we like to talk to. And that's why it's so appropriate that I'm able to bring on uh, Mark Ayers, the state director, Illinois state director for the Humane Society. Um, And uh, Mark, welcome to the program and thanks for all that you do. Hey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Absolutely. So Humane Society uh, of the United States um, does... A lot of work. Um, You guys, uh, just from browsing the website, which, of course, we'll share with our listeners, there's a lot of different advocacy that you're involved in. I mean, most people, uh, probably when they think of the Humane Society, they're thinking puppies and kittens um, that they love to stop by and play with and support and visit. But you guys are doing so much more and thought it was very appropriate to bring you on uh, to talk a little bit about it. So, Mark, if you were to summarize the Humane Society, uh, how, how, how would you do that? That's a, that's a good question. I think I'd summarize it by saying um, that we're the nation's largest and we're the most effective animal protection organization that's out there in the United States and around the world. Um, we and our affiliates are providing hands-on care and services to more than 100,000 animals each year. Um, and I'd say we're also driving transformational change in the United States and around the world by combating large-scale cruelties, such as puppy mills, animal fighting, factory farming, seal slaughter, um, horse cruelty, captive hunts, and even the wildlife trade. So we're doing a little bit of everything across the board here. Wow. Um, that's that's quite the mission uh, and quite the focus. And uh, again, I can't emphasize it enough, even for me. And I have to say that I'm, I'm pretty involved and pretty knowledgeable, but um, I didn't know about half of those things. So, Mark, you're, uh, I know you spend the bulk of your time uh, in Springfield and, uh, and, and focused on Illinois state issues. Tell us a little bit about some of the things. Uh, the, the, what's a day in the life of Mark Ayers like? What are some of the things that you're working on currently? <laughs> it, uh, it changes day to day, so no day is, is really the same. Um, I would spend most of my time January through, the, I'd say May or June, in the spring legislative session. I spent it at the Capitol primarily um, passing animal-friendly legislation, supporting animal-friendly legislation, but also serving as a counter in case there was uh, bad animal welfare legislation coming up through other groups that we have to stop or trying to feed. And so that's where I spend most of my time. Um, we had a lot of victories last year at the Capitol. We had probably one of the best legislative sessions to date last year. Uh, Mark, I have to interrupt you. That session. is something that, that most people would not be able to say. Uh, that's something that here in Illinois, everybody's talking about the stalemate and how nothing is getting done. What do you attribute that to, that uh, the Humane Society, and more important than your organization is your mission, 
<laughs> what what causes uh, that uh, that success and and that sense of I guess you call it bipartisanship or nonpartisanship? Yeah, I think it's well. I think one of it is our advocates. I think advocates now are better informed, and we've been doing a good job informing advocates on some of the issues that need to be addressed at the Capitol. And then those advocates contact their legislators. And if they don't know who they are, we help them with that. We can tell them who their senator and their rep is. And then it all starts from there. But I think even the legislators have been phenomenal um, in addressing animal welfare legislation at the Capitol. And it literally takes both parties to, to do this. We can't do this with just the Democrats. We can't do this with just the Republicans. We work with both parties here. And most of our bills that we had last year, they either passed unanimously in one chamber or the other, or they passed with widespread bipartisan support. And one of those victories, for example, was our elephant bill. And this was Senate Bill 1342 that Senator Linda Holmes had, and it would prohibit elephants in circuses and traveling shows. And uh, we worked with some major zoos, the Chicago Zoological Society. And if I recall, actress Jane Lynch, too. That's right. Jane Lynch helped out. She was uh, lobbying the governor to get him to sign the bill when it got to his desk. And it passed the Senate unanimously, which is just amazing. I still get goosebumps talking about it. And it passed the House 91 to 14, had Republicans and Democrats as as sponsors and co-sponsors. But probably was one of the biggest bills that we passed last year, and that took effect January 1st of this year. Okay, um, that's that's amazing, and congratulations on that. So most of our listeners are in the Chicagoland area. And again, while, while people certainly follow legislation, they are very focused on what's going on in their backyard. And there was certainly a lot of news regarding a, uh, a law in the city of Chicago prohibiting sale of puppy mill dogs. And uh, I know recently that went up to the federal appellate court. And uh, Mark, if you don't mind sharing a bit of an update on on, on where things stand with with that, I believe the uh, the court upheld uh, that that law, which certainly is something that I think almost everybody in Chicago, hopefully, uh, is is uh, was cheerleading uh, you on for. Um, so uh, tell us what's going on with that. Yeah, that that law was upheld, and so the couple pet stores actually sued uh, the city, and they took that to court. And it was it went all the way to the Seventh Circuit of Appeals, and that that was actually upheld. We, we had a good feeling that it would be upheld, and and it was. And so it's a law of the land there in Chicago. Cook County actually has a similar law as well. Um, there's 250 local ordinances like that throughout the country that prohibit the sale of dogs, cats, and even sometimes rabbits and pet stores unless they come from shelters, rescues or your local animal control. And now we add that to the entire state of California, who just recently became the first state in the nation to do that as a, as a whole state. So 250 local ordinances and the whole state of California is doing that. You add that to Chicago, um, Cook County. There's even some cities like Waukegan, um, Warrensville, and Illinois have a pet store ban. And interestingly enough, um, there's another bill being circulated right now in Springfield, it's Senate Bill 2280, and um, that's a bill primarily put forward by Senator Conley, but it's a product of Will and DuPage counties. And so it'll prohibit dogs and cats from being sold in Will and DuPage unless they come from shelters, rescues, or animal control. So this is 
really an issue that's taken off across the country, but it's taken off here in the state of Illinois as well. Absolutely. Um, so lots of uh, great legislation being passed and uh, and being enforced um, again, and, and and you and your team are, are working really, really hard. So I, uh, in a in a moment or two, we're going to make sure that folks know how else they could get involved. But uh, I know that on the website, uh, you talk about encouraging how how individuals can can make an impact uh, beyond advocacy on specific legislation. Is folks can everybody loves puppies. Folks can encourage their local pet stores to become. Uh, puppy friendly, and of course, when people are thinking about um, bringing a uh, furry little friend uh, home, they could find a puppy friendly pet store uh, near them. So let's talk uh, briefly about that. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the talking points that you would use. Well, I think it's 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 meaningful because when you're when you're adopting an animal, you're literally saving its life. And and when you adopt an animal, you're not only saving that animal's life, but you're opening up space for another animal that's in need. And we took that to heart here in, in the state of Illinois, specifically, again, with another bill. Um, it, was, it was symbolic. It was a House Bill 812 um, that Representative Jimenez put forward, but it was a state designation that designated shelter pets as the official state pet of Illinois. And so these are dogs and, and also cats. So any dog or a cat that comes from a rescue or a shelter um, is kind of the official state pet of Illinois. <laughs> and I think that sends a strong signal that we take this stuff very seriously here. You go to any of, of your local shelters or rescues or wherever you are in the state or around the country, you're going to find that they're full of animals that need to be adopted. Absolutely. And that's what we really try to strive for. And millions of animals are put down, euthanized each year, because they can't find a forever home. Mark, so we're I, I'm, I'm running out of time. I want to make sure our listeners know where they can learn more. Uh, where, uh, where can they find out more about ways that they can get involved and learn more about the work of the Humane Society? Everything is up on our website. It's very clear. It's humanesociety.org. Humanesociety.org. Mark Ayers, Illinois State Director for the Humane Society of the United States. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be sure to have you back on to follow your progress on Thank this you. important legislation. Chicago will be right back on Get Down to Business. Don't touch that dial. So I've been following the progress of my next guest, uh, Adam Sobel, the founder and CEO of CareBand, uh, for a while. And uh, while we're not on TV, and I had to remind him of that here in studio, he brought some of the uh, some of the samples here. Um, CareBand actually, uh, we'll talk about it, but the uh, the product actually, I believe, came in just uh, two months ago, and uh, they are here in studio. So uh, joining us, joining the conversation, Adam Sobel, again, founder and CEO of CareBand. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So what is CareBand? <laughs> Good question. So uh, CareBand is a wearable technology startup for seniors living with dementia. Uh, about 5.3 million seniors live with dementia in the U.S. and about 50 million around the world. And over 60% of them have the tendency to wander to get lost. So what's the difference between CareBand and those uh, annoying old commercials that we've seen for um, well, something that sounds, it, it rhymes with Schmeiss Amert. Um, and uh, they're, again, their commercials seem to have not been updated in a long time. What's the difference between your product and theirs? Sure. So technology for seniors hasn't changed for the last 30 years. Uh, with the baby boomers and with the, the new uh, incoming seniors, there really is a need right now to develop technology to help this population. Life Alert and, and other technologies out there, uh, really rely on old old technology. They use GPS or they use RFID technology. 
we've brought in new sensors, uh, new Internet of Things communication technologies, uh, and really our value proposition is that we provide real-time indoor and outdoor location without using Wi-Fi or cellular communication. So the devices look really, really cool, and I know that you've been out exhibiting at a number of different conferences and forming a lot of different partnerships to get this product out to the market. So first of all, what's your time frame on when folks will start to see uh, see this product in action? Sure. So right now we are uh, piloting the technology at uh, two, one assisted living facility, one nursing home, and one community-based pilot. Our first uh, nursing home got started at Avanti Rehab and Nursing down in Niles, Illinois, uh, and it's been a great pilot so far. We have about 15 patients wearing it and learning a lot of, about the technology and about it uh, functioning in the, in the real world. That's fantastic. So uh, over the next few years, what are your goals? Uh, five years from now, how many, uh, how many care bands do we expect to have out there? So we hope to help as many people as we can. We, we hear all the time that this problem is really uh, affecting people's lives, families, caregivers. And we really want to help, help as many people as we can with this. I, ideally, everybody who has dementia and uh, who wanders c- could benefit from this. And it sounds like partnerships are the way forward for you and really bring this out to market. Uh, tell us a little bit about sort of your ideal uh, partner. And, uh, and you mentioned uh, uh, senior facilities, assisted living, independent living, and, uh, and, and skilled nursing facilities. Um, who are you looking to meet these days? Sure. So our, our focus really is on the assisted living and nursing home space. Uh, we see this as the greatest potential to start with, and then hopefully partnering with home care agencies to get to the people at home. That's fantastic. So tell me about your background, Adam, and, and why you decided to, uh, to, to launch this product, which I truly believe will be a game changer in this space. You mentioned that the products have not changed in 30 years. I agree with you. So uh, I, I, I'm from a family of doctors. Everybody, everybody in my family is a doctor except for me. I'm the weird technology out of the mix. So about three and a half years ago, Apple created this new technology that was called iBeacon technology. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was talking to my dad, and he's a geriatrician in Ohio, and he manages around 10,000 seniors in Ohio. He said, you know, if you could help seniors living with dementia who wander, you could help a lot of people. Oh, and wow. <laughs> I had started two other software companies, so I knew how to build a website or an app before. So building this uh, hardware product was a new game. But from, the, from talking to as many people as I could, everybody could relate to this problem of dementia and wandering. Absolutely. So uh, family members likely will be, uh, will be very encouraged to know that there's a new technology that's out there. Because, as you mentioned, for folks with dementia, do you, by the way, do you have the statistics of how many folks have dementia out there? So right now in the U.S., it's about 5.3 million seniors, and then in the world, it's around 45 million. So clearly a huge, huge problem. Um, so uh, family members, uh, I, I, they're concerned. You know, it's hard, to, it's hard to care for a loved one, and it's even harder when you have distance, when there's literally a geographic distance between you and a loved one, to know that, uh, that, 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 that mom, dad, uh, grandma, grandpa are actually being cared for and, and actually are, are where they're supposed to be. So uh, kudos to you for, for making an impact. So uh, how can our listeners find out more uh, and it, to learn about the product and sort of follow the progress? So you can go to carebandremembers.com. Uh, you can su- subscribe to our mailing list as well as we're on, active on Twitter and Facebook. So please reach out and share your stories. If you've uh, experienced this problem or... 
Um, if you know someone who's been in this situation, please reach out to us. And you have an interesting video that's out there that, uh, of course, I would encourage our, our listeners to, uh, to to find where they can uh, sort of see this in action. I'm sure that on your Facebook and Twitter feeds, you've got the pictures of the actual product. So even though we are on radio and people cannot see what I'm seeing here in studio, they can take a peek and they could actually get a sense of what this look like what this looks like and why it's so different than anything else that is out there. Um, Adam, before we move on, are there, uh, are there any places, any conferences lined up that uh, you're expected to be at over the coming months? So we're in two weeks. We're headed to Leading Age out in D.C., uh, and then we're going to AMDA uh, out in uh, Texas, I think. You just follow your flight schedule and uh, <laughs> you go where you need to be. Um, but where you are going is so important because it's enabling you to get the word out about this important product. And again, lots of ways that our listeners can get involved. So I encourage you one more time. What is that website? CarabanRemembers.com. CarabanRemembers.com. Adam Sobel, founder and CEO of Caravan. We appreciate you joining us on the program. Coming up, we're going to be talking about an important subject. Commander Paul Bauer, Joe Ahern of the 100 Club of Chicago will be joining me as my guest next. So I'm thrilled to be joined for our next segment um, by Joe Ahern, the CEO of the 100 Club of Chicago. Extremely timely because all of Chicago, all of Cook County, all of the country and all of the world, we, uh, we are still mourning the loss of tragic, tragic loss of Commander Paul Bauer um, it, just, uh, just uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so, Joe, uh, it's a it's an honor and a privilege to have you on the program uh, to talk a little bit about the important work that the 100 Club of Chicago doing in response to the uh, to the death of uh, of Commander Bauer and long before and long after this tragedy as well. Yeah, thank you, Shalom. Thank you for so much for having me on. Yeah, it was a it was just eight days ago that we laid uh, Paul to rest, and uh, I think it was a defining moment for all of our city and and, and our police officers. The outpouring. Uh, because of what this man meant, he he really uh, defined giving back to the community. Uh, he was uh, 30 years as a police officer. Uh, he was uh, the commander of the mounted unit, and then went to the 18th district. And every everyone you've spoken to uh, that I've spoken to uh, had high praise for him and 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 how he contributed to making our community a better place. And he is a wonderful uh, police officer, but also a great dad, a great husband. Absolutely. And he left behind a wife and a daughter, I believe. Yes, uh, Aaron and uh, his wife, Aaron and Grace, uh, his 13-year-old daughter. And uh, earlier today, uh, there was a police mass at the FOP Hall, and it was uh, just heavily attended uh, to uh, pay respects to him. Uh, Superintendent uh, Eddie Johnson had such kind words to say about him, and really, he spoke about uh, having a meeting with all of his command staff and saying what an example uh, Commander Bauer was to all of us, whether you're a police officer or just, uh, you know, uh, uh, in your own family, how uh, Commander Bauer uh, really led it such a purposeful life in, in helping others and how we could all... Uh, hopefully uh, aspire to be like Paul. So, Joe, when um, when you heard the news, um, tell us a little bit about your and the entire 100 Club of Chicago family's response. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about the sequence of events that immediately uh, went into place 
and how you plan to continue to, to take care of Commander Bauer's um, loved ones. Well, thank you. I uh, happen to know uh, uh, Commander Bauer and worked with him uh, through the Bounty Unit because they attend so many of the special services that the police and funerals and, and special events. And so I got to know Paul very well. Uh, we heard about it uh, on uh, the 13th and, uh, and that he had been shot. Uh, over uh, at the uh, Thompson Center, uh, I rushed over there, to, and of course it was such a chaotic event, um, and uh, then went in and sadly met with the superintendent and his wife and daughter, and uh, and that uh, and that started the uh, you know the sequence of events for the next week. Uh, the Hunter Club is there to to provide financial support to the family, and and then also. Uh, when uh, Grace comes of age, we'll be able to provide uh, college education for her. Sadly, uh, with uh, Commander Bauer's uh, death, that uh, that uh, adds to um, our 100 Club family uh, list. It's uh, 265 police officers and firefighters just in Cook and Lake County who have paid the ultimate sacrifice over the last uh, uh, 51 years. And this is and, what you uh, do, uh, stepping up um, at, at times of tra- tragedy, and you mentioned the number 265, and every single one of those is indeed a, a, a incredible tragedy for all of us. So, Joe, I want to make sure uh, briefly in our, in our moments uh, remaining that uh, our listeners know how they can get involved and know how they can contribute and get involved. The uh, you are the CEO of the uh, of the 100 Club, and there are a lot of great events, fundraisers, and even some fun opportunities uh, that people can engage in. So, if you don't mind, uh, touch on that and tell us a little bit about it. No, of course. Well, uh, they can go to our website 100 Club. Chicago.org. That's the numerical number 100, 100clubchicago.org, and follow the prompts. And we'd love it if they would consider uh, making a donation or becoming a member. And we have uh, roughly about 100 events throughout the course of the year. Uh, and uh, they're big and small. We just finished up the Chicago Auto Show, where we had uh, over 500 people attend. Uh, that had bought tickets uh, on behalf of the 100 Club. And we have a big dinner that will be coming up in October, October 4th, that uh, will be a benefit that we will have. And uh, throughout the course of the year, we have many, many events. But uh, the the 100 uh, the Club were able to provide these be- the benefits to the families uh, only through what, donations and uh, through uh, corporations and foundations and people that have a heart for our police officers and firefighters. If just in uh, Cook and Lake County, there's approximately 45,000 first responders when you count all the municipalities, police, fire, sheriffs, uh, uh, state and local federal law enforcement. And uh, when one uh, is uh, tragically uh, dies in the line of duty, we're there. We're basically the first responders to the first responder. And uh, to help them with financial help, um, uh, uh, counseling, and and, uh, and probate legal services, uh, but most, uh, even more importantly, is the college education. And we have uh, 21 sons and daughters in college right now. Uh, sadly, we have uh, 60... Uh, 65 more that will uh, come of age in the future that will be able to provide college education. And thank God we have uh, we have 21 colleges and universities that provide two full scholarships each 
uh, for those children that uh, want to go to those colleges. That, well, well that Joe, we're going to have to leave it school. there. But I, I, I uh, and and all of our listeners appreciate everything that you do. Donate generously, 100clubchicago.org. Joe Hearn, uh, CEO of the 100 Club, thanks for joining us and Get Down to Business. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Always very, very much appreciate our sponsors at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. So for the past few weeks on our business tip of the week, which, by the way, can be your daily on the morning show at 730 a.m. right here on AM560, the answer, I've been talking a lot about ways to professionalize your image specifically through phone calls and phone calls are often forgotten in this age of social media and emails. And by the way, I am an absolute example of this. It's hard to pick up the phone. That said, when people do call me, I do return every single phone call. And, uh, and there are some ways that when you do have a phone conversation or when you have a phone meeting, you can come across as professional as possible. So today I wanted to talk about how to best answer your business phone. So um, the word greet is defined as give a polite word or sign of welcome. And that's exactly what you want to, what you want to accomplish when you answer your phone. You want to create an experience that uh, equals how you greet visitors in person and aligns with your company's brand. So of all the words you choose to include when you answer the phone, the most important is your name. When you answer the phone, you're creating a handshake with your customers and prospects. If they do not clearly hear and understand your name, then you diminish your ability to build a relationship. A fabulous phone greeting um, has been edited several times. So have you ever been uncomfortable calling a hotel or restaurant or spa because the person answering the phone tells you a lot of things very quickly without taking a breath? That's because no one has considered editing the greeting. Is it absolutely necessary to say good morning or good evening? I don't think so. Is it is it essential to use both a first and last name? No. You do want to use a first name, the company name, and then a statement that lets the caller know that you can be of service. My favorite is, how can I help you? But you could also say, welcome to ABC Company, or what can I do for you today? Whatever you decide, make sure it fits your brand and indicates your desire to be of service. You can even be a bit cheeky if you want. For example, you could say, uh, an ad agency could say, what can we write for you today? And if at all possible, don't rush to answer the phone. What I mean is no matter when the phone rings, it's going to interrupt you. You aren't sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. You're working. When you grab the phone and answer quickly, you'll still have the sound of being interrupted in your voice and you'll throw it at the caller. I know we've all experienced this and, is, and have been left with the feeling that we called at the wrong time or worse, that the company we called isn't actually interested in speaking with us. When the phone rings, stop what you're doing and remember that you want to create a great first impression. The answer on the second ring or ring between the second and third ring smile i know this sounds ridiculous but it works every time when you smile you use facial muscle facial muscles that's a tongue twister that change the sounds of your voice you can be having the worst day ever but if you smile when you answer the phone your clients and prospects will never know and finally verify the caller's name as soon as possible by using their name you've extended the hand in greeting and so you want to make sure you complete the introduction. Because you've used your name, the majority of callers will automatically provide their name as well. 
But if they don't, you could say something like, who am I speaking with? Or I didn't catch your name. Or what's your name? And when you have the caller's name, use it. You can do this during the call when you ask a question or provide information as you're ending the call. Remember, names are important to us. And sharing them is a sign that you're building a relationship. So what would you add to that list? Please contact me through my website at shalomkline.com and let me know. There's a contact form on the website. Would love to hear your thoughts on the program in general and certainly uh, my tips this week and would love to hear how you are using your phone skills and tell me some of your uh, best examples of a successful phone meeting or a phone call and uh, perhaps the worst examples too if you're not ashamed to do that. And there's no reason to be ashamed as long as you're improving every single time. That's what it's all about. We learn from each other. And indeed, that's what this program is all about, is introducing you to interesting people. And I hope that's what we did here today. What a fantastic lineup talking about jobs, talking about great organizations, talking about interesting new uh, medical technology, and certainly talking about current events. Um, And next week, we've got a fantastic lineup of guests that you will not want to miss. You could get a sneak peek by going on my website, shalomkline.com. That's also where you can download podcasts from today's program. And remember, get in touch with our sponsors, Tandem HR. Visit their brand new website at tandemhr.com. They've got a great blog, everything relating to the Affordable Care Act and beyond. Um, to success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560 The Answer. Have a great week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.